0: I had like this shift in my head one time, it's so funny, but I saw this guy, he probably worked at like Vice. Like he looked like someone that would work at Vice. And he was just like, like Hipster, Yeah, dude. yeah. And we are on the A train going downtown, and like homie just like pulls out his vape pen, hits it, and it's just like super chill. And I'm <laughs> across from him, dying with anxiety, because I have like some meeting or like I have this project due. And I was just like, I can't wait. So I'm that person where I'm comfortable going to work, like where I'm not stressed out about what's coming down the pipeline or what's due, or like the environment that I'm in. Like I, it's crazy because I haven't felt that anxiety in so long. It's going on. I think I'm hitting two years of leaving the agency, one full year of being like completely freelance.
1: <laughs> Mehande, dimelo, dimelo was good. Welcome to another episode of the Can't Do It Is podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know, it's your boy Pavel bringing you another very special episode with another very special guest. As a quick reminder on this show, the mission is to redefine professionalism. So every week we have a different guest to join us for a very candid conversation around the conflict that they've experienced between professionalism and authenticity. That said, this week's guest... Who you heard in the intro is none other than the homie Steph aka Natives1990 on Instagram. Before getting into the full conversation, let me give you a quick bio so you have more context into who she is. Stephanie is a multidisciplinary creative born and raised in uptown New York City. Her experience as a brand designer and photographer within the last decade led her to start her own creative studio, Natives. Under the Natives umbrella, she's been able to work with a bunch of different brands and clients, including New York City Parks, Nike, Adidas, Hennessy, and many others. Stephanie also serves as a creative director for MRFU, a streetwear and lifestyle brand located in uptown New York City that you got to check out. Big shout out to the owner and founder Diddy, who's the homie. Now that you have a little bit more context into who our guest is, Let's get into this dope conversation that you're not gonna wanna miss. So the word authenticity, right? It's a buzzword you probably hear all the time. What does it mean to you though? When you hear the word, like what comes to mind?
0: Authenticity, being comfortable with yourself, I feel. Having some sort of pride in what you do and and sticking to it. I feel like to be authentic, I just, I almost feel like I like hide myself, right? Like, I everyone's out and mingling and showing face and shaking hands. And I feel like I'm the opposite of that because I'm always just home working and like on to the next thing. Yeah. And I always have this like imposter syndrome because I'm not doing the thing that people do, like the social thing. But I'm being authentic to myself because I love to work. So, like, at in the morning, I'm like, what am I gonna do today? Like, I have a list of things to do and I'm staying authentic to myself by getting it done. But yeah, I, I wake up and I just get the thing done. And like, I'm being authentic to myself that way. Like, I don't feel comfortable in those spaces. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers the question, but I, I feel like just being comfortable, like being comfortable in what you're doing, being proud of what you do and yeah. sticking to it.
1: So comfortable, what about growing up? Do you think you were comfortable being yourself?
0: No, not when I was a kid.
1: Tell me about being a kid. Like, where'd you grow up?
0: So I was born and raised on uh, on Arden and Dungan, and I went to school. Uh, there's a Catholic school on that block, OLQM. Uh, I went to
1: Catholic school my whole life. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I went from kinder to eighth grade, and I was like the only roquera. I was like the weirdo kid. Oh yeah, I like I, I grew up listening to all types of music, but I was very much like the alternative. I was the emo kid, right? What is, was, like, does
1: emo kid look like?
0: Well, I guess I used to just, well, granted, we're in Catholic school, so there's uniforms, right. right? It was only up until seventh, I think seventh grade I had this transformation. I was like this chubby kid growing up and the summer of seventh grade going into eighth grade, I lost a ton of weight, I guess puberty. Okay. Lost a ton of weight and I, I was obsessed with Avril Lavigne at the time. Okay. <laughs> and I mean, she, she was, was she was popular yeah super popular and she was very much like do your thing be yourself and I, I took that and i was like this is what i needed i the next year eighth grade i walked in with fishnets i had these ghetto doc martin boots or yeah, whatever yeah. i wore a tie like i totally i sent you to the uniform code and all of the teachers let me do it because they knew that i was like the different one and they didn't they were like proud of me for like finally sticking to it
1: so what'd you wear before that
0: just like regular blue, like navy or black stockings and like, like loafers on the skirt. Furs. Yeah, yeah, like I still had the skirt and like the vest, but like I switched it up a bit. And like just fishnets alone wearing that in a Catholic school, they're like, you gotta go home. Like you gotta change right now, but <laughs> I didn't give a, f- and a lot of the teachers like respected that. So much so that other kids started to, and they're like, no, you can't. They're like, well, yeah, but Steph is doing that. And they would just be like, okay, and? Like I had full backup from like, I had a lot of support in eighth grade at least. And that was like my transition. And I was like, you know what this, and then going into public high school after mm-hmm. nine years of Catholic school, mm-hmm. my mind was blown. Cause I was just, I was in school with all Dominicans, maybe one or two black kids, right. no white kids. And then all of a sudden, I go to public high school on 17th and 8th Ave. And it was just like, holy, there are other people like me. Like, this is crazy, you know?
1: So you saw other people dressing how you wanted to always dress. It wasn't restricted by, like, a dress code.
0: Exactly. That and just, like, skater kids, people that had similar interests in, like, music and, like, shows. A lot of people were, uh, I guess, in elementary school. You're young. And everyone follows suit. Like, everyone... For example, everyone went to the same high school pretty much after graduation because they all wanted to be together because we all grew up together.
1: I think it's interesting, too, because early on, like you said, you had support from your teachers in in that seventh, eighth eighth grade point. Mm -hmm. But here you are, like, changing how you're looking aesthetically and visually. And this other element that I think is very influential on our authenticity early on is family. Yeah. What was your family's reaction
0: my family was like super supportive of like my crazy style choices as like an emo kid like i would wear like the parachute pants and (laughs) those the steel beads and like the rubber bracelets and the spikes they were super supportive in that way i remember like vividly this one time I was watching like a system of a down music video and my cousin came in and she's like what are you doing yeah, yeah, yeah. you know
1: like next Sunday take you to exactly, church exactly yeah, yeah
0: yeah and I, I guess they they kind of fell in line and they supported it in that way my parents are super supportive of me playing in a band uh, I started playing music officially when I was like 14 I picked up the guitar at 11 and by 14 I was playing in a, a band with my friends and my, my parents are super supportive of that I
1: love that yeah
0: they would go to my shows and stuff like, really? it was, yeah it was really cool very appreciative of that
1: you know what's funny I used to play basketball as a kid but i would never want anyone to come see me play and is my parents that? its weird because people are all, like typically wish that their parents had an interest or right. wish that their family had an interest my family had such an interest they would beg me but i would be so self-conscious about them seeing me play
0: interesting because
1: i would get so much anxiety so every oh my god this is an embarrassing story <laughs> if, do, do you know do you watch basketball
0: Sort of, yeah. But you
1: know what, a traveling is. is? Yeah, All right, cool. You would
0: travel a lot. So every
1: time I got the ball, I would like travel every single time. Mm. To the point, there was one time there was an announcer, and he gave me the nickname "travel agent."
0: Oh no! <laughs> Yo, travel agents back again. Yo. Back at it. <laughs> I
1: had my, I had my girl. There was this one time I like invited my girlfriend at the time. Yeah. Her brother came. Her friends came. Was like, no, my boyfriend he's really good. Yo, I did so bad. Vito.
0: So Vigito. bad, but you, but you were good
1: though. That didn't give you extra nerves.
0: I, I feel like I I grew up self-conscious, being like a chunky kid. Like, I always grew up con complejo or whatever, but it, I don't know, I think the nerves have always been there. I grew up like in theaters too, so. What do you mean? Like in a children's theater. There uh, I don't know if Pied Piper's children's theater. No. So, Kuro, you know where Kuro Kiting is? Up the block on uh, seamen and Coming, there's a church, there's an Episcopalian church. And there was a children's theater there. And I guess, I don't know, I think it was a neighbor that introduced us to the church. And she was my brother at the time, uh, loved acting. And I guess, I don't know what he's doing now, but he doesn't act anymore. He pretty much ran the theater at one point. We were always in that theater. I did a couple of plays, but he was like the head of everything at one point. And yeah, we grew up in in a children's theater. It was very interesting. I hated it because I just wanted to be on the street skateboarding. And I guess that was my mom's way of getting us off the street. And my brother was like a total, he still is a total nerd, but that was like his forte. It definitely wasn't mine and I was like pigeonholed, but that allowed me, Well, I feel like I never really had a problem being like doing public speaking and like talking in front of crowds. I've always been outgoing in that sense. My brother's like the, he's always like hiding in his shell. So that I think also helped both of us kind of hone in on our personas, I suppose. So yeah, I mean, by the time I was performing music, I was like actually performing live, I'd have the, the nerves of like me being the only girl on the scene. And I was playing lead guitar, so it's people were like trying to size me up. They're like, you don't know how to play. I well, never
1: thought about that, women not being part of bands, typically.
0: Well, not, I in guess- In certain
1: mu- music yeah, styles.
0: Yeah, like you figure, I mean, there are a lot of women, but back in the day, there was a huge like music scene in the Bronx, okay. specifically this one group, three college friends that started this thing called the Bronx Underground which was like local shows in a Lutheran church in Pelham. And like they would do it in the basement and these shows were crazy. And that was like, that was the Mecca. If you were in a local band, to be able to play for this group, to play a Bronx underground show was like, you made it in the scene. So that was like what we would strive for. And no female, no woman was playing or girl, no girl was playing in a band at the time. So I had a lot of pressure in that sense. I was hanging around a bunch of boys and I've always been used to that, but you get certain people like, you know how to play those uh, arpeggios? And it's like, like I don't, like, I don't play metal. And that's not the kind of music I play. But um, so, I've always been sort of used to that. So
1: was it intimidating early on?
0: A little bit. Only because we were like pipsqueaks. And like, we didn't have, we grew up broke. Like, I remember right. I had to, one of our first shows that we got booked. I, I, I mean, it gives me such red winds how to think about it now. But it, my best friend's mom bought us the first amp that we had. Like, she like spotted us the money and we paid her back. And we grew up super broke. Like we always borrowed equipment. So going in, we were always like self-conscious, but we still made a buzz for ourselves. We always made it happen. And
1: people are are probably like taking lessons. So they're using a certain jargon of like, we were just talking about like photography. Yeah. And I just bought a new camera. So like the opacity and all this other exposure, I'm just like, what the fuck is this? It's a learning curve. It's a little bit intimidating, but it sounds like early on, like you had like interest into like creative entertainment, all of those kind of things, when you thought career-wise, like, what was the thought of like, I want to do this when I get older?
0: So, design and music for me go hand in hand. And if one came before the other. So, you know, I grew up as a kid, I thought I was going to be a soccer player. Being half Ecuadorian, I thought I was going to be like the next Mia Hamm. (laughs) And that's like very much my father speaking in my ear. And then I started playing music. It would have been great if that was like the thing, but I lost touch. With that, once I started playing around with Photoshop, funny enough, so I I don't know where this guy is now, but my old bassist, we used to call him Cheerio, He was like some kid that I grew up with. He was super into design. He was like one of the first people to show me Photoshop. And he would do these cool things. I'm like, what is this? Oh, this is graphic design. Making
1: flyers or something? Yeah,
0: not even flyers, just making random things. On Myspace hadn't come out yet. So this was very much AIM and LiveJournal. Remember LiveJournal? I forget what the other journaling websites were. But he would post these things and show me. And he introduced me to design. So once we were in the band, it kind of dawned on me. I'm like, I can do this and make designs for like other people, other bands, and make Myspace profiles. Cause that was like all the rage at the time. So we're talking like 2004, 2005. Okay. Jesus, it sounds so long ago. <laughs> um, yeah, Myspace sounds yeah. like that long ago. Yeah, forever ago. So through playing music and like just being in the, in the band, I like picked up design, I picked up Photoshop. I was always in my brother's house. Like he had a computer so And he, like, he was good at, like, jailbreaking, so he downloaded the illegal version, and I was just always on Photoshop making, like, MySpace layouts. So then from there, I was, like, yeah, yeah. that was, like, all the rage. So in my head, I'm, like, okay, cool, I'm going to go to college. I didn't know what I was going to college for yet, but I'm, like, I'm going to go to college, and we're already, like, we were doing, like, baby tours, like, tri-state area tours. I'm, like, I can make designs for other bands and, like... Set up my merch table. Like, I was thinking, like, very Johnny Cupcakes. I don't know if you're, if yeah. you're familiar.
1: Yeah, I went to school in Boston. There you go. Yeah. Okay,
0: so Johnny is huge out there. I wanted to start, like, he's one of my biggest inspirations for everything. So
1: early on, too, like, you had this, like, I'm going to start a business idea.
0: Yeah, and I, I didn't not realize it. like, I'm going
1: to do designs for this corporation. You automatically thought I'm going to have my own Me. table and all these. Yeah, things.
0: and I, 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 you, like, hearing you say that, like, now I'm realizing that. I didn't know that as a kid. That's I,
1: bold, though, to think that at such an early age. Did you have people in your life that were entrepreneurs? No so why <laughs> like, I don't know I really don't
0: know I have no idea um, well you
1: did see you did say that you saw like Johnny Cupcakes and other people so maybe that was like the influence
0: well I guess it was just like well if they can do it so can I it was one of those things like it's very DIY and I guess I grew up in the DIY culture that's fair um, yeah so it's never I don't have anyone in my family that's oh yeah I started my own business but I'm like the crazy one I can do it Like. but
1: but it's also you in that band experience I, I'm like I'm starting to see the connections right because you I'm starting to
0: experience.
1: see them too <laughs> <laughs> that's being uh, the, the session. yeah 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 no but it's interesting right because even the band you saw people doing these amazing shows and you were like yeah if they could do what i can we don't have an amp but somebody will help us buy it and then we'll do this and that's I had, interesting yeah
0: nobody went to being like hey like i'm happy to barter something or help you like but is it possible if i can use this like back in the day i had no verguenza like a little bit because i i very much wanted like my own things, right. so to have to borrow someone's guitar. Or, yeah, I don't really like asking for help, so I'm very much I'll do it myself, and I always figure it out.
1: But you sound like you were comfortable doing it though. Well,
0: I didn't have it once I was like a fourteen year old. You know oh, what so I mean? Now, but now I'm like, no, I'll do it myself. Like I'll figure it out. I'm very try. I try to be as self-sustainable as possible. Who hurt you? Well, I think <laughs> life. I mean, honestly, it's more. I think. So I moved out of my house at 17. And I think from that point, because I made that decision, it was very much, okay, well, you're on your own, right? So I think the, I have a lot of pride. I will say that. And I think I'm comfortable with it. I'll check myself when I'm like, oh, you're being too prideful right now, step back. It's blocking something. Yeah, Yeah. and I've gotten better at that as I've gotten older. So I always see the bigger picture, or at least I try to. But I think once And I don't really want to put this on my family but essentially I lost my mom I moved out and then after that point it was just like okay well you're on your own then and I had already been working since I was 14 so that that was when I got my first job so then once I started I took a year off after high school because I was just like well I moved out I need to figure out my life and I I was working at the bike shop at that time um, from high school throughout college so I think that period of independence, like my first taste of independence, I put this armor on, and I was like, I don't want to ask for help. You know, it didn't seem like the help was there offered either. Yeah. Or at least I'm sure it was like from my family side, but it didn't feel like it. So I very much like kind of just like I'm gonna figure it out myself.
1: How would you have liked it to feel?
0: I guess the way it felt when my parents were around, like that sense of like support. I guess I don't know. I mean. Everything happened right before I... My life changed right before I graduated high school. Mm. So prior to that was, like, super supportive. My mom didn't listen to rock music, but she's in some random basement on 157 mm. watching us play. Like, oh, that's my kid. Or, she wasn't into it, but there was, like... Or my sister would come to a knitting factory show with my cousin, feeling that sense of support. Well, you guys are definitely not into this, but you're there.
1: So that, like, quality time type of support.
0: Yeah, like, I think just, just even present. knowing. Yeah, just... Showing the support there, and not to say that I don't feel that. I feel like as I've gotten older, I've kind of retracted that, mm-hmm. like for, at least from them. So, like for instance, if I have a, a show, I'll maybe invite like maybe one or two of my family members that I know that would like that would be upset if I didn't tell them. But otherwise, I don't really share that aspect. I don't share things with them anymore. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Well, all right. So your career, though, right? Because you have these ideas of I'm going to do this of my own. I want to own this. I want to do it myself. But there became a point where you started also entertaining, let's call it a traditional path, right? You started taking on Career. jobs, but also doing your thing on the side. Like, what was that like?
0: So, I think everything started through the bike shop, I want to say. The bike shop was a huge conduit. Well, first and foremost, I grew up working locally. I was, I've always worked in the neighborhood. So, mm-hmm. first was a, a vegan restaurant when I was 14 that this... Uh, this guy owns a hair salon on Dykeman. And okay. he's like, my sister's opening a restaurant. He knew me as a kid, he said, like, you should work for her. So that was my first job, then it was the bike shop. Through the bike shop, I saw an opportunity with a bike company that had opened up in Brooklyn. And I was going to school, I was in college, uh, working full time and going to school full time. And I just cold emailed this company. It's like, hey, you guys are located in Brooklyn, you just opened, I sell your product. I've been in the cycling industry for like eight years at this point. I'm a graphic designer, I need an internship. Can I intern for you? Had an interview, they hired me on the spot, and then from there, it was just like, I had a legit company that had products all across America, and I was doing everything for them, from like designing the boxes, to the catalogs, to the bikes, to the merch. And that was like my first intro into doing everything. At like 22, 23, I was working for this company, and then from there, it kind of just like, just catapults it. I got an opportunity with the parks department and I saw an opening for it for a a temporary position. It was like six months. Mind you, I'm coming from the cycling industry. Ripped up jeans, grease on me. I smell like bike tires, very hands on. My hands are always dirty. Even though you're a
1: graphic designer.
0: Right, (laughs) right. I do this on the side. All the design stuff that I did was like for the bike shop. It was like real small stuff, like flyers. I rebranded the shop at one point throughout college. So it wasn't actual chunk, the chunky design stuff didn't come till tribe so that the bike company so i feel like that's and to think that i knew what i was doing then and then go into parks i got my ass kicked at parks like first couple what was
1: also like a very different culture environment
0: the culture it was such a culture shock like i remember one of the first questions i asked my old boss was like i know this is really silly but what's the dress code in the office because like i need you to understand that i'm coming from a bike shop like i could wear vans and have ripped up clothes and look dirty like i don't And I've never been that person to dress up. I've always been a tomboy. I used to have anxiety as a kid. Oh, God, do I have to wear skirts in my job? Like that corporate America idea. Yeah. So that always gave me anxiety growing up.
1: It even goes back to, like, high school. I mean, Catholic middle school. Yeah, Yeah, it's like prom. I gotta wear a dress? Yeah, yeah.
0: What the hell? It's like all these social, you know, standards that one has to meet. And it's totally not true. You can do whatever you want. But it was a, a huge culture shock. And even with, like, type, I remember... Jesus Christ, we did so much work there. But and then
1: where was the office? Parks.
0: Well, Parks was at, uh, you know where the Central Park Zoo is? That huge yeah. castle that's yeah, in front yeah. of the zoo? That's the headquarters. So this
1: is also the first time you probably commuting outside yeah. of the neighborhood because really you were all, all, always, like, supporting the local businesses. Yep. And even though you did travel to the Brooklyn, right? Yeah. This was, like, the city. Yeah. Which I think, for a lot of people, we often put, like, city on a pedestal you probably seen people commuting to work and you've seen people what they wear and like all this stuff, yeah. it's different. Yeah, a
0: hundred percent. And I got to a point, funny enough, I went into parks knowing that I wasn't gonna stay there forever, cause it was a temporary position. Oh, I, right. I had oh, signed right. up for a six month contract. Yeah. So in my head, I'm like, oh, it's six months. That gives you enough time for Tribe, the bike company in Brooklyn to get there together cause they were growing and they wanted to, they had promised me an office, they were getting a new warehouse and like Jersey or something, they were expanding. So I was like, this six months is going to be a good learning experience for me with parks. And obviously, it's one of my biggest dreams to work for the city. I've either MTA, DOT, or parks, and I ended up getting parks. Dream come true. And this is why I love what you do, because I felt so... I felt like an alien. I felt so stupid in the room. People were talking about, you know, what novels they read and like the Times bestseller list, and The Bachelor, the latest episode, <laughs> like that. And I'm like, I don't watch this. I'm not, you guys are so clean cut and I feel so ghetto. Not to say that I'm from the hood, but I'm from the hood. I'm not, I didn't, I grew up on the street. I grew up like with tigaraje. So then I found myself like, stuttering, not being able to talk. I didn't know how to actually communicate with people in the office. I would get by, but you could, it, it would sound like, I felt like I sounded stupid. I don't sound intelligent right now, or I don't sound confident in what I'm saying. And granted, there's public speaking in that role. I'm here teaching people about our brand, new hires, doing classes and stuff. So I don't have a problem with that, but very much in, I'm just thinking back to like the bullpen office. Like I love everyone that was on my team, but I felt very different.
1: Well, it's kind of like when you're writing a paper and you're like, oh, this word isn't big enough. And then you pull up the thesaurus and literally just replace mad words to try to make your essay sound better. That's how I felt in certain
0: offices too. That's horrible. You shouldn't feel like that. Because yeah. you bring something to the table, right? right? There's a reason why you're there. And then it's, well, damn, now I feel like I have to belittle myself. I have to quiet myself because that, they're not going to be comfortable with it. Like, painting this, or let's say in the Bronx, right? Uh, Mapes, there's a pool called Mapes on 180, East 183rd. Okay. Hood. We're like out there, like on the corner, and people are like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? Or people are like, People are telling you take, to leave that, you yeah. Because I mean, we're kind of like changing the landscape, and it looks like gentrification. Sure, which sure. I'm the first one to be like, "Somoledaki, this is for you guys. This isn't for the new people that may come in." Right. But I'd be the one to facilitate that conversation with the people on the ground because the people that I was working with, they didn't feel comfortable. Immediately would tense up. That's well, you're not from here. I understand that, but also, you don't know the life that they're living. I don't live the same life as this person. They're a little rougher on the edges. Sure. But I understand. I coexist with them. Right. The people that I work with are like, oh, like what's going on? Like, they would get nervous. I'm like, ah, you're, you got to talk to people the way that they want to. They want to be treated. It's
1: They're interesting like, that them feeling uncomfortable in that situation is probably how you felt in the office. 100 percent, complete opposite.
0: 100 percent. I was in my element out, out on the street yeah, talking yeah. to people. Okay, okay. And they would be like, oh my god, they'll laugh at me, joking around. Like, ah, oh, stuff got it. You yeah. Know? It's I don't know. It's but so it, funny. It's, it's, I didn't think of it that it's way. It's
1: interesting though, like how much of. That do you think is you telling yourself a story, right? Versus people actually telling you you're ghetto, you look ghetto, you're dressing this, and you don't speak well, or whatever it is, right? Because I think sometimes, I think it's sometimes a combination. It's like we often tell ourselves that story because we're just comparing ourselves, we're putting them on a pedestal, but oftentimes, too, people literally be like, yo, you gotta change. So, was it a combination? Like,
0: I think it was like, it was me,
1: Mm. I was in
0: my head. 100%. Hundred percent.
1: So no one ever gave you like actual resistance in like, no. yeah.
0: No, I mean I was very fortunate. Um, there was one time where my director was totally out of pocket. She was she's known for like. Jesus. Running her mouth and. Stuff. Okay, yeah. But like one time she was like she came up. Grant said I was very fortunate that I I could wear sneakers with like slacks and like a sweater or, like a hoodie and with like only New York putting out parks gear. I was constantly wearing parks gear, but like streetwear parks gear, you know? And like pushing that boundary a little. So like I did feel comfortable in the office. I I ended up getting used to like the style, right? What I can wear, what I can't wear. And still be true to myself. I'll still go into a meeting with Vans on, but I'll throw on some slacks and that'll be like the offset. So it's like Mm -hmm. business casual.
1: Yeah. Um, it's like you start testing a little bit, like oh, they say anything? Ooh, let yeah, me do a little exactly. More.
0: Pushing the nothing? boundaries
1: a little more. Yeah,
0: because I would see people walk in, and I'm like, there. We had one person in the office. I was like super spiffy, like super spiffy every day with the new suits. God damn, like <laughs> you, you dress so fire. This is so cool. you have nothing going on today. Yeah, no yeah. crazy meetings. It was a Tuesday, it? right? Like a regular Tuesday. And then there's me that I like. I'll have I don't know, like a t-shirt tucked in with like slacks and yeah. like sneakers, like Nikes or Vans. Yeah. But that's what
1: we, we just compare ourselves. That's what we do.
0: Exactly, and it's it was all in my head, honestly, because no one ever said anything except for the one time where this lady was like, she made a joke. because I was running a meeting, and I like had saved the table, like a communal table, and she just like, I hear her laughing. She's like, Oh, Steph, I gotta tell you, I thought you were a homeless person sitting on the table. There, was, it's a public building, so people can go in. In my head, I'm like, I'm wearing an only like Prospect Park hoodie, some slacks. I don't know what shoes, I, ha- I think I had some like Air Maxes on and like my chunky headphones. And in my head, I'm like, I look homeless to you? Just the top part alone, I have like $400. What are you talking, like, you know? And that's not to say like to itemize things. I don't give a fuck about what like what brands I wear, but in my head, I'm like, you're so ignorant. And also, why the fuck would you say that? Are you crazy? If I said this to HR, yeah. you'd ha- they'd have a field day with you. I look homeless, for real? And that right there, that was kind of like the tipping point for me at the agency where I was like, I'm done. Like,
1: it also probably validated the things that you were thinking, though.
0: 100%. Because
1: sometimes they say you won't remember what they said, but you remember how they made you feel. And a lot of times, some, some people don't say anything. It could just be a look. It could be a feeling that you get. But again, other times people literally tell you and you're like, I knew she was thinking that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was just waiting for it. And it's, again, I was, no one ever said anything to me. I never had a problem, but that was like the, the one instance and I was already at, in a weird crossroads with my career, not with what I wanted to do, but I just felt stuck. I started to feel stuck and I wanted more. Right. And that right there was just, that was it for me. I was like, cool. Now I have tough-ass skin. I don't feel bad if I do leave. Because I also didn't feel supported in that situation. No one came to me. And there, it, it it was said in front of people. No one, like, stopped me. Like, hey, I'm really sorry. Are you okay? It was said like, in
1: front of people. Yeah,
0: that's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, it was shit. like that. It wasn't a big group, but there was at least one or two people there. Right. And one of them was, like, my direct person that I work with. And I, You are my buffer between this person. You at least should have... And I'm very family-oriented with the people that I'm around. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, because I'm not family-oriented with my actual family. (laughs) But the family that I created, I'm very much not. Yo soy bien cariños. Like, yes, we work together, and we have that that barrier of what we can't cross.
1: Sure, sure. But I'm going
0: to talk to you about my life, and you're going to talk to me about yours, because we're just cool like that. So that's the kind of relationship I had. And once I didn't feel like the support in that aspect, I was like, all right, cool. I'm just this workhorse that, like, and I'm cared. I know that I'm cared for there, but it was just like, it was a tipping point for me. And then, the quarantine happened so i was just like this is what i was like it was like increasing i was waiting to be like pulled aside to be spoken to about this and it didn't happen and the days kept going and i just kept get growing more and more angry towards it yeah I, I put so much on right. on myself and i bust my ass
1: and it was a dream for you to finally work for the city
0: and I always say that. I still say it. I'm like, yeah, it was like one of my favorite jobs. It was like a, literally a dream come true. To be able to walk into a train and see your design, i like, yeah. bro, what? I was yeah. like a silly person taking selfies <laughs> yeah, and like yeah, freaking yeah. out. People are like, what the f- is going on? I don't know. I still get bugged out. Seeing the finger on the trash cans. I drew that finger. You drew the finger? I drew that finger, yeah. I didn't know that. I see the yeah, finger yeah, yeah. everywhere. Yeah, I remember when that request came in because we had a huge litter problem during quarantine. We it, had to do something about it. I
1: feel like you're one of those people that... You know how people be like, well, how do you identify? people often put cultural things. I feel like you would put New Yorker above all of those kind 100%. of things. And I feel like that's why the whole dream thing, I mean, it starts off with you always want to work local, want to help, and then your dream to be... Because it's not even... Maybe I'm just making this up, but I don't think it's just about... Working for the city so that you can see your designs, it's so because the whole city seeing your designs, you know like I mean? all
0: five boroughs, yeah, that right there, it gives me goosebumps. Just, yeah. Like, pelo. Yeah, yeah, for real, <laughs> <lo pelo."> no, <laughs> for real, because it's <laughs> like hey, I'm such a nerd with that kind of. You find like,
1: the city, it, yeah, on fucking trash can, so dope. Literally, yeah, In yeah.
0: every trash can around the city, and those ba- the orange banners that's park with trash here. I was, literally, anything that has the park sleeve on it. There was only two people managing everything that you see here in front of you. Yeah, the dolphin, like everything, just two people in the office which was myself and the creative director pumping everything out and you know historically creative directors don't really do that much work she was pumping out work she had to you right know? they're more
1: strategy typically
0: crazy and I, I don't think a lot of people understand what it takes to have that job some people i have a lot of pride even saying yeah i used to work for the parks department like i designed yeah. for the parks department but i think when people think of that they're like Oh, uh, f- the flyers that you see at, like, the entrance of the park. No. <laughs> right, right, like, right. you see the cops? Like, their memo pads that they're giving you tickets. I designed that. Like, the patches, their shields, like, I drew that by hand. I, I made sure that, that order went through. Like, I had to deal with the vendors in order to get those patches done. Make sure that things are, like, a specific size. and
1: That was crazy. The Rangers
0: have an annual report we got to do. It's like, it, the different... Once you know that the agency has different divisions, right? right, right? right like, yeah. different huge, sectors. Huge. huge. All of those people were our clients. Right, right, right. And then we had to do, like, exterior stuff for mm-hmm. the city, like, citywide mm-hmm. stuff. So we were slammed. There was yeah. a lot of work that went into, into parks, which is crazy. But.
1: So how did that experience, though, shift your perspective of what a dream career would be? Like, did that force you to lean more into going back to maybe I should focus a little bit more on, like, my own thing?
0: I had, like, this shift in my head one time. It's so funny. But... I saw this guy. He probably worked at, like, Vice. Like, he looked like someone that would work at Vice. And he some was like. Just, Brooklyn like, Brooklyn hipster. Yeah, yeah. And we are on the A train going downtown. And, like, homie just, like, pulls out his vape pen, hits it. And it's just, like, super chill. <laughs> and I'm across from him dying with anxiety because I have, like, some meeting or, like, I have this project due. And I was just, like, I can't wait till I'm that person where I'm comfortable going to work. Like, where I'm not stressed out about what's coming down the pipeline or what's due or like the environment that i'm in like i it's crazy because i haven't felt that anxiety in so long it's going on i think i'm hitting two years of leaving the agency one full year of being like completely freelance which is crazy i gotta pop a bottle next Hell month yeah! i think december is officially a year i think i started dabbling with leaving the regular steady income paycheck around now, I started winding myself off, and then by December, I was, like, fully freelance, which is crazy. So, since then, thank you. It's been a journey, but definitely gotta pop a bottle. I'm popping a couple bottles. Or celebrate however
1: you, you know, however you do. (laughs) Bottles was the first word you said,
0: so, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely popping a bottle. (laughs) I love me some champagne, but I want to celebrate with my friends, because they know, like, how long it's taken me. But, yeah, once I saw that guy, I was like, that's how, I want to be able to, like, hit a vape and (laughs) go to work and be tranquila and have fun with what I'm doing. Not to say that I didn't have fun with what I was doing at the age. But it just, it didn't feel like me. I didn't feel comfortable. Yeah. It was very much like I was playing a part. And once I hit like year four, year five at the agency, I started to get way comfortable. I was just like, I am who I am. i The issue at the office, for, well, in the building for me, was that person would lift the finger or turn around. They'll say hi to him. But if he has five or six boxes, I was the first one to get up. Kenny, let me help you. That's for us, bro. You're bringing stuff for us. And that's how I was with everyone. So there was like this elitist feeling for everyone that was like, at least this is what I understood, right? Yeah, I could be totally right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I could yeah. totally be wrong about this, but it's I know That's how you that, felt, it's fine. And that's how other people felt as well. But if you, if people knew where you worked, that you worked in that building, I'm like, oh, oh, excuse me. And it's, you no, know, I'm one of you. Don't play yourself. I'm not it. this uppity person. Yo estoy janeando con los janitors, like all my Latinos, there are some people that were like higher level, senior staff that were Latino, but majority of the Latinos were like the people that yeah. ran the building
1: yeah. maintenance. maintenance
0: yeah. And it's, I'm chilling with them. You know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. talking to them, Hey, como, como esta? like, you know, talking about their weekends and they all knew me by name, you know?
1: It's almost like you had maybe even more in common with them versus the other people. And it's interesting yeah. too, like I had, a, I had a speaking engagement at Macy's the other day and their office is literally upstairs from the retail in, in, in 34th. So my mom, she, she goes shopping there all the time. So after the engagement, she was like, oh, let me introduce you to my makeup girl, the woman that sells me makeup. She's like, come on, blah, th- blah, blah. And she's like, oh my God, like, where was it? And I was like, oh, it was upstairs. She's like, oh, right, same thing. It was like, oh, you, you went to corporate to do the present, yeah. Pres- yeah. Right. And it's
0: like, no, I'm an approachable person. Like, I'm not this like uppity person. So I always made that a point. Like I would, if we had like a party or whatever, I'd go hang out with my other Latinos that were like in a totally different division, but I was cool with them. I didn't feel. Right comfortable in certain conversations.
1: See, I would do that, but then I would get labeled unfriendly from my team because I wasn't hanging out with them.
0: That's crazy. There
1: were times where I wouldn't... So when I worked at Facebook, they got, like, a huge office. all open space concept. I would never work at my desk because I get distracted really easily. So I would work from somewhere in the office. Like a common
0: room or something.
1: Sure, yeah, all of that. But never at my desk because I get distracted. And I, I need to work alone for the most part. I would be labeled unfriendly. I did my work, but my manager would tell me that I need to be, like, more best friends with my colleagues and i'm like why
0: the camaraderie that's what it yeah. means like the, i don't know i i don't know what the benefit of but that there's is. so many like
1: unspoken rules and like politics that is part of it where it's just like i just want to work i just want to do dope i just want to work that's like, kind of how i i operate yeah. too I'm like
0: i just want to do the thing you know what yeah. i mean i i'm i'm friendly whatever but if i need to get the, the job done. If I have to get work done, let me do my thing. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's almost like if you don't go to the the happy hour. Yes. Like, you're antisocial. Yeah. Like, you're not. What's the term that they use? It's you're not about camaraderie. You're not a um, team player. Yeah. They, they use that language and it's just that's not it. I would rather go home and work. I had something else to do. I have a life. I don't have to be with you. I'm, I'm with you guys more than I am with, at home. You know what I mean? Like with
1: my family, with my friends, all that. Yeah. Or maybe that's just not
0: your thing. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. But there's that pressure. Yeah, there's that pressure. You have to go. So like a mi All right,
1: so what, what about these days, though, right? You're about to pop, you're gonna pop the bottles. You're definitely hitting your stride. You're doing dope work.
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you.
1: Do you still feel that pressure to like fit in, assimilate? Do you feel uncomfortable being yourself?
0: No, I think after leaving, the agency and kind of like finding my footing and like taking the plunge Mm -hmm. scary to be honest because i'm very like once i started my career i'm like oh i have a safety net and this is and i feel like i it took me longer than most people because of the way my my life played out i always felt like a step behind Mm -hmm. while everyone was out traveling the world in their 20s i was working so now that i'm in my 30s i feel like i took the plunge that i should have taken when i was in my 20s right but that's all to say that now, since I took the plunge at this age, I feel like I have a better grasp and I'm making less mistakes mm. than my peers did when they were in their 20s. Right, right. They're little cricas. Like, they did not know what they were doing, right? And they're like, either they have daddy, mommy money or whatever. But I'm just more strategic now. And I don't know, you know, like whatever the universe, like the universe has blessed me in the last year. I feel way more comfortable, um, like working at MRFU. I don't, like, I work out of the store. I'm either designing for other clients or I'm doing strictly MRFU, cl- like, work. I had like, an epiphany the other day because I didn't feel the anxiety of like, having to go into work. It's so i going to the shop, like, it was just super casual. And mind you, like, I have a slew of work that I gotta get done that day, but I didn't have the anxiety going in. I'm happy to walk into the shop. I'm happy to see Diddy and see all the, the familiar faces because at the end of the day, I'm still in the neighborhood. I'm doing something for the neighborhood. It's a small business and I'm like, metiendo mano as much as I possibly can. So it's just a level of comfort. It's just different. It's different. It's scary in different ways, but that anxiety has completely dissipated and I feel way more comfortable in my career choices. I love it. And that's all to say that I feel like I've scraped just the the, the first layer of it and there's so much more to do. And I think what I'm struggling with right now is the amount of work. I, I truly do have a catalog of work I don't properly showcase it, right? So my website right now shows work that's been done 2014, 2015. It's just this year alone. I've worked with Nike, Adidas, doing event design for them. And it's like all the stuff that I've done with MRFU. And there are people that I'm not even thinking of right now, like Hector. For sure. Like all of the packaging already, it's like he's rolling it Sorry, out. Thank way. you. I appreciate that. It's a total difference. And every time Huge I see the bag, I'm like, yeah man i'm I'm happy for his growth, even pre rebranding. but I'm, I hope that it's like to the moon now with everything like there's a cohesive look and it's a slow rollout, but
1: yeah, like you're you're helping so many brands be found and be known. Imagine if you did that for yourself. I
0: And what's crazy is that like in the last year, and I don't want to sound um, I don't know braggadoces or? Yeah, I guess. I mean,
1: hockey,
0: I don't know. yeah, like it's not because honestly, I really do feel like the imposter syndrome. Like I suffer from that 100%. I very much do feel the imposter syndrome. Parks actually brought me on board last week uh, to shoot one of their galas. And it's it's an event like for five and a half years, I shot all of our, like we have four Parks produce events. Uh, I would shoot all four of them on top of designing the, the events. So like run of the mill stuff. I, ve- I was nervous, like, going on the seven train. I was like, man, I don't know why I feel nervous about this. And I think after having our conversation right now, it's honestly, it was the group of people that I was walking in going to see. It's and it, like
1: it's PTSD a different or- element. Yeah,
0: that or like, it's like, this is like, this is a gala, it's fancy. Like, am I dressed properly? It, it, do I have to remember certain people's names? Do I have what? to approach this person because what? they're a, a senior staff, you know, and they're like, like that, and it's so silly, but. Ended up being a really good time, right? But things like that, I I have the imposter syndrome of am I gonna perform? Am I gonna catch the right moments? What if something happens to the camera? And these are moments where it's split second, you have to grab them, right? But there's always that fear. So in my head, I'm always like, uh, there's always room to learn. And I feel like I still have a lot to learn. I don't do a great job at keeping up with it because I'm just so busy with work. But all to say, in the last year, I've been very, very fortunate to get new clients like my clients list has grown a lot the
1: looking, connections
0: that looking. i've made all the work that i've done and that's without having to reach out to people yeah i i know a lot of people that are like i had one person actually come into the shop but how did you get that but like how and i'm like well, i don't know just my work speaks for itself like i don't approach people i don't cold call i don't ever pitch anything to people and this is like i don't want to sound like an asshole when people come to me no, and it's like fine. I'm grateful. I'm grateful because again, I have no Instagram right now that shows my work. Like none, my shit. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. My my website shows work from again, 2014 to yeah. like about 2019, 2020. Yeah. Yeah. But there there's so much work in between yeah. that's not shown. And then all the new stuff that I've done. And it's like big corporate names, like household names that we're all like, we all swoon for, you know what I mean? So imagine if I did properly lay it out, like, and I feel like I, maybe this is just happening the way it is. I, sometimes I struggle with feeling lazy or like I'm not doing enough, but so. I feel like the universe, like things are going in the pace that they are because I wouldn't have been ready to open the floodgates then. And I feel like now, every day I flex the muscle, the design muscle, let's say, every day there's, and I see the difference in me where I'm pumping stuff out faster. And things were moving fast with parks. The turnaround time was crazy. And I was pumping out so much work at once that I think that set me up. It's like boot camp. So now when I get a lot of requests, I can bang them out quickly. But I feel like I'm just faster with certain things that would take me a day.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm like, oh, this takes me like an hour now.
1: Mi-hente. That wraps up another episode of the Game It Is podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard please do us a favor, leave a rating and a review, a like, share, comment. Your feedback and engagement will help us in the algorithms to ensure that these experiences get heard by as many people as possible, because that's the only way that we're gonna redefine professionalism. Thank you, see you next time.